Welcome to this week's episode of the Bible Readers Podcast. In this episode, we will be continuing our discussion of the story of Abraham, or as he is called in the beginning of the story, Abram, in the biblical era of the patriarchs, the second era of salvation history. Today, we'll be in Genesis 16 to 22, if you're reading along with us. And if you're not subscribed already, go ahead and subscribe to the Bible Readers Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes on the eras of salvation history. So glad you're joining us and reading the Bible with us today on the Bible Readers Podcast. Follow along with us on this journey through Scripture. Remember that last week we discussed how the story of Abraham is really the story of God making three monumental promises to Abram, as he is called at the beginning of the story. Those promises are the promise of a great nation, which refers to the land of Israel, the promise of a great name, which refers to the dynasty of kings that will extend from Abram, and the universal blessing whereby God will restore mankind to unity with him. Over the course of this story, we will see how God elevates these three promises to the level of a covenant. Now, one of the major things we touched on last episode is the question of why God would need to bind himself with a covenant if his promises are already secure. This will be highlighted this week because I think God is doing this not really to make himself sure that he will fulfill the covenant, but rather to bolster the faith, the sometimes dwindling faith of Abram. So we've seen how the first promise becomes a covenant, and now we'll cover the final two promises. But before we go into that, I do want to remember why God is making his promises into covenants. Think about this. When a couple falls in love, they often make promises to one another. Promises like, I will always love you. I'll never let you down. I'll always be there for you. Those kinds of promises are common among people in love. Well, how do they make that promise more secure? They elevate it into a covenant. They perform ritual actions and speak ritual words in the wedding ceremony. And they create the covenant of marriage to enshrine those promises as a covenant. That is one of the ways they back up the promises that they made earlier. Now, God always keeps his promises. He does not need to do anything to ensure his fidelity. So God is making these covenants not to make himself more sure, but to bolster the faith of Abram a man who has not always shown faithfulness to God. Remember that as we discuss these next two promises, because Abram will show faithlessness towards the promises that God has made. So after God elevates his first promise to a covenant, Abram immediately loses faith. Remember that his wife Sarai is barren, and Abram has no son through whom these great promises can be fulfilled. So Abram takes matters into his own hands. He takes his wife's maidservant, an Egyptian woman named Hagar, and sires a son by her, a son named Ishmael. And I want to read the final verses of chapter 16 and the first verse of chapter 17 together and see what to make of God's response to Abram's actions here. The text says this, And Hagar bore Abram a son, 
And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So what happens here? Ishmael is born when Abram is 86. And in just one verse, the text fast forwards 13 years to when Abram is 99 years old and God speaks to him. I like to use this illustration with my students. That if I was teaching a class and a student was being disruptive in the middle of class and I rushed out of the room, was gone for a long time, and finally, at the very end of class, I rushed back in and said, I'm your teacher, you will respect me, you will follow my instructions when I give them in class. What would you assume about the behavior that caused me to leave in the first place? My guess is you'd probably think that whatever that student was doing, it was pretty egregiously bad, and that I was extremely upset with that particular student. God has disappeared from Abram's life after his actions with Hagar and has rushed back into his life with this strong statement of his authority and position. It's clear that Abram's polygamous actions have not pleased God. And now God responds to Abram with sternness But remember, he's also working on changing Abram's heart so that Abram fully trusts God's promises. So in chapter 17, uh, God says, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come forth from you. Do you see the pattern occurring again? These are ritual words and the ritual words correspond to the second promise God made to Abram to make his name great. God also changes his name from Abram to Abraham, meaning father of a multitude. But where are the ritual actions? God tells Abraham, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. So the ritual action of this covenant is the sign of circumcision. And there are various uh, different interpretations of this sign. And we won't get into all the theories here. But of course, there is an element of punishment to this ritual action. Moreover, the Egyptians circumcised their sons at the age of 13. That's how long God waited after Ishmael was born to speak to Abram again. 13 years. So what God is saying is that Abraham is acting more like an Egyptian and not like one who carries on the family name of God. But the second promise is now a covenant. Abram's name has been changed to Abraham, and Abraham's wife's name is also changed from Sarai to Sarah as well. So now we have two of the promises elevated to covenants, and it's time to discuss the third promise, the promise of the universal blessing. 
briefly though, I do want to say that there are many things that happen in the story of Abraham that we will not discuss heavily. We have largely ignored Lot, for instance, Abraham's nephew. We haven't really discussed Abraham's visit from the three angels, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and there's more. And this isn't to say uh, we've ignored these because these stories have nothing to offer or that they're irrelevant to the narrative of Abraham's life or the book of Genesis more broadly. Instead, I'll just say that I have to be fairly selective for the show as to what's possible to cover in an episode and in a season of the podcast. And I decide on the stories based on my own discretion. And someone else might see that these other stories are really important. And that's actually one of the things that's amazing about the Bible and the great thing about reading the Bible as a story is that these stories speak to us in different ways and various stories within the Bible jump out to us individually. So I encourage you to read the story in its entirety to see what jumps out to you. You get my perspective here on the Bible Readers Podcast, but I hope you develop your own perspective and analysis of these stories as well. So the third promise. Since Ishmael was born to Hagar, Sarah's maidservant, Sarah has miraculously conceived in her old age. In fact, Sarah is told that she will conceive by an angel. And when Sarah hears this, she laughs in disbelief. And the angel commands her to name her newborn son Isaac, which in Hebrew means laughter. Isaac's name will be a reminder of Sarah's and Abraham's lack of trust in God's promise. And Isaac is born, and he's the only son that Abraham and Sarah have together. And as they raise him and see the promise of God start to come to fruition, one day God comes to Abraham and gives him a command. Genesis 22 says this, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon the mountains of which I shall tell you. So God tests Abraham's faith by giving him this unthinkable command. Sacrifice your only son, the son through whom these promises are supposed to be fulfilled. Imagine what Abraham must be thinking. How could God ask me to do this? How could his promises actually be true? But the book of Hebrews in the New Testament gives us insight into the story of Abraham. It tells us that Abraham believed God so much after all that God had put him through in this story that he believed that God would actually raise Isaac from the dead if Abraham were to go through with this sacrifice. And Abraham goes. Genesis says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. Just like Abraham followed God before when he was young and God sent him to the land that he would show him, now Abraham follows God again. Genesis 22. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. 
We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went, went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. This must have been the quickest here I am ever said. God tests Abraham's faith and Abraham, after all these years, finally trusts God completely. He has utter faith in God's promise. God has been making his promises into covenants so as to compel Abraham towards unconditional faith. And now Abraham has shown that he has that kind of faith. And now we hear the ritual words of the final covenant. The ritual action has been Abraham's sacrifice. And God says, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you, and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies, and by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. The promise of a blessing for all the families of the earth is now a covenant. And this covenant, of course, looks forward to its fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. And now this is where we really see the divine hand of God in the scriptures. Let's take a look at Abraham's sacrifice, or almost sacrifice, of Isaac a little bit more. God tells Abraham to sacrifice his only son, whom he loves. In fact, that statement, your only son whom you love, is repeated multiple times in the command that God gives to Abraham. Next, Mount Moriah is the mountain upon which the city of Jerusalem will one day be built. There is a three-day journey to the mountain on a donkey. Even Isaac even is the one who carries the wood up the mountain for the sacrifice. And another detail that artistic depictions of this story often miss is that Isaac is not a little boy in this story. He's old enough to carry all the wood up this mountain. And Abraham is an old man. So if Isaac refuses to be sacrificed, he could withstand his father. But he doesn't. Which tells us that this is a willing sacrifice on the part of Isaac. And I hope you can see, this is a pre-representation of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
And the details here are astounding. Isaac even carries the wood just as Jesus carries the cross up the mountain of Golgotha. Jesus is the only son of God whom God loves. Jesus is the willing sacrifice. Jesus dies outside of Jerusalem. And it is through Jesus' death that this promise of a universal blessing is fulfilled. I hope that you can see the wonder of this story. I hope that you can see how this story is setting the stage for the rest of the biblical story. We will see Moses as a major player in salvation history. Similar, similarly, we'll see David and the culmination of all salvation history is Jesus Christ, son of Abraham. And one more detail before we go. I want to reread to you verses 7 and 8 of chapter 22 in light of of what we have just discussed. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Well, God does indeed provide the lamb for the sacrifice. That is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And this whole text is building forward, little by little, towards that moment. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bible Readers Podcast. A new episode of the Bible Readers Podcast is released every Monday. Next week, we'll be reading Genesis chapters 27 through 33. So if you're following along with us, be sure to read that before next Monday. And if you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you kindly subscribe and rate us on whatever podcast app you use. It greatly helps get our content out to others. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Bible Readers Podcast.